Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Scriptures to cover. We're going to be in uh, John 16. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 13. We're going to be in, in 1 Corinthians 12. So we're kind of going to be all over the map, but... Uh, uh, we are starting our third week in our series called Building a Strong Christian Life, uh, Developing a Passion for Spiritual Disciplines. And we've told you that we are looking at uh, 10 essential ingredients or spiritual disciplines that are required to um, make our Christian life strong as we walk with Jesus, which I hope is something that all of us would want to do in our life. Um, and we've shared uh, that, that just like ingredients in a recipe or a cake, they have a lot of ingredients that you have to follow, right, in order to make the yummy goodness. And, but if you don't follow, right, and if you miss any of those ingredients, then your creation kind of ends up a mess. It ends up kind of being a dud and nobody really wants to eat it or, you know, even go near it. And so, you know, if you think about a cake, for an example, if you miss the sugar, it won't taste, it won't be tasteful, right? If you miss the eggs, it won't have the consistency it needs. If you miss the baking powder and the baking soda, the cake won't rise. It'll be flat. And so all of this stuff is something that we need to put in if we're going to be successful. And it's the same kind of um, uh, principle when it comes to, um, just like a recipe, the basic ingredients for a, a strong spiritual life are these disciplines that we're covering that we want each of us to be able to kind of digest, actually let them grow inside of us, let them become something that, that is such a, a, a way that we are, um, you know, diligently seeking after them. Because a lot of times what happens is we get kind of lazy when it comes to doing some of these spiritual disciplines. We just do. We're in the, you know, we, we got a human nature. And so we, we can't be lazy with it. Um, and, and we've said too in, in our previous messages, especially in the culture that we're in right now, because the culture that we're in is so far away from God and so far away from, you know, wanting God in our lives that no longer are things, is God's word or God's presence kind of woven into things unless we're bringing it. Because we have the ability to bring God's presence into any situation. We have the ability to bring God's word into any situation. But what happens is, is this culture, the society is trying to get us farther and farther away from that. Because, you know, we have what we call cancel culture. And when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, a lot of times people want to cancel you right away. They want to say, oh, you're one of those, Right? They kind of put a man stamp on your forehead already, or what is it, the scarlet red letter or something like that. But see, that's the thing where, you know what, no matter what, we still got to stand strong. We still got to say, well, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care of what, 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 what thoughts you have about me or anything like that. No, I, 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 I am a believer and I am in hot pursuit of who God is in my life. And I have this relationship going on. So we've got to be diligent to seek and to know and to, to live out God's word, to, to live out this relationship level we have. We covered 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I'm just going to read it real quick. I didn't tell you to turn there. It'll be up on the board. It says, be diligent, right? We said that means, you know, exert yourself. Kind of have a strategic plan, a thoughtful strategy on, on, on pushing towards God's word, pushing towards your relationship with God. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker. That means a worker's got to do the work. Right? Yeah. Got to do the work. It says, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I mentioned a little bit last week, but I'm going to add on just a little bit to it. Not only is Timothy and you and I to push aside every distraction that would come our way to get us off of God's word, get us off our relationship. But man, it's also a requirement as believers to, more, to know more about the Bible than just Bible stories and a couple verses. It's true. 
We got to know more about the Bible and what's in God's Word than just a few Bible stories and a few just uh, small little verses. Because you know what? In this day and age, it won't cut it. It it just won't. We've got to know what the Word of God says and what it doesn't say. I mean, how often do you hear a phrase and you think, oh, and someone might say, oh, well, yeah, it's in the Bible. And you hear it and go, oh, okay, well, it must be in the Bible. When it's not in the Bible. There are times I hear stuff like that and I'm thinking, that's not in God's Word. But we take it as God's Word because we really don't know God's Word. So we got to know what's in it and what's not in it. And then also, we got to be able to just be able to understand it. And, what it, and, and understand what it's not. Because it says, even in the last days, end times, right? And it sure seems like it's getting closer. I mean, you're talking about Russia and Ukraine and all this stuff and everything is going on. It feels, it just feels in the spirit that we're getting towards end times. But in the end times, the Bible warns us in the last days that, you know what? People, believers will not endure sound doctrine anymore. They won't endure sound doctrine, and they'll turn away from the truth. It even says they'll have itching ears, which means I only want to hear what I want to hear, what fits my narrative, not what God's Word is, not what the truth is. And I think it's those people, most of those people, probably, and maybe more, but there's the people who only know the Bible stories and a few verses are probably the ones that are going to be pulled away the fastest. That all of a sudden they're going, oh yeah, that sounds right. That must be right. Because you know what? The enemy, it says, like, like, like well, in, in sheep's clothing, man, he'll have every way to be able to twist the word to make it sound like it's the word. But if we don't know the word, we'll go, oh yeah, that's great. Awesome. Got it. But it's not the word. And then next thing you know, man, we're away swinging the other way. And man, we're away from act, the actual truth. And man, God doesn't want us to be that way. That's not his heart for us. But see, when we aren't diligent in God's word, that can happen very, very easily. And so over the last two weeks, we covered two ingredients or or disciplines to building a strong Christian life, right? So we got two out of the 10. And the first ingredient or discipleship thing was a passion for souls. We are to have a passion for soul. We are to look at every single individual that we see and see them through the eyes of God. That's a big thing to shoulder, but it's an easy thing to shoulder because it's just looking at people the way God sees them and it's, and it's loving them. The second from last week was that we have to have a passion for God's word, right? Because God's word is not optional. It's not an optional thing in our life. It's, re- it's an actually required key ingredient for us to grow and to become all that God wants us to come to be, right? We need it. We need to consume it so that we can build this strong Christian life in our, in our, in our, um, as we walk this journey out. And so if you've missed any of those, catch the podcast. Jump on there, listen to them, let them speak to your heart, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, because it's so important that we grab these pillars, these, these things that we need. And so today we're going to be looking at the third ingredient out of 10, and that is a passion for the Holy Spirit. A passion for the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, help us to have a passion for you. Amen. Now, listen to this, and I truly believe this, okay? If we're going to be successful as a believer and have a church that sees supernatural occurrences, okay, happen every day in our lives, then you and I need to have a passion for the Holy Spirit. We need to have a passion for the Holy Spirit and His work. Right? Now, the Holy Spirit is not something like Casper the Friendly Ghost, okay? If, you, if, if you're like in my age group or maybe a little older, maybe a little younger than me, man, I remember watching Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? And Casper the Friendly Ghost was friendly. Great. But, you know, he'd swoop in and do all this stuff or whatever it was, 
okay? Or if you want to bring it even here, the Holy Spirit is not one of those spirits in ghost hunters house, you know, ghost hunter house hunter, whatever it is, where those guys go in there and at night and they got the light on and they're running, ah, yeah, man, something moved over here, okay? That's not the Holy Spirit. I just want to get that picture, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in you. He's not like drifting around and just kind of floating around and whatever. No, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Got that? He lives in me at the same time he's living in you. He's just not floating around. No. He's like, man, I, and that's what, what's so awesome about God, right? He can be everywhere at the same time. So awesome about Jesus. He can be everywhere at the same time. So awesome about the Holy Spirit. He can be everywhere at the same time. So as I have the Holy Spirit in me, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he's willing, he was willing to work in that. But see, in order for us to happen, we've got to get to this place. You and I have to give the Holy Spirit an active say in our life. We've got to give the Holy Spirit kind of and get in this partnership with him in our life. And it doesn't, it can't be partial. It's got to be the full deal, right? It's got to be you fully giving the Holy Spirit opportunity to work in your life, to talk to you, to, 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 to be a part of your life. And like I said, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, he's not scary. He's not. He, he, he's not scary. But see, we need to, to, to have that and understand that I've got to be active with him. I've got to let him be active in, in, what, in my life. And then, you know what, I've got to have this partnership with him. And then really, too, you need to have a desire to experience the operation of his gifts through you. I'll say that again. You need to have a desire to experience the operation of his gifts through you in the same way that the early church did. Because if you, if you, you, if you kind of look at the church of today and the church of the early church, if you read in the book of Acts, man, we're, we're not even really the same in a lot of ways. Because the operation of the gifts of the Spirit happened and flowed quite frequently in the church. And, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. I don't know if you, when you read your Bible, if you've ever, ever, ever thought about this or, or, or noticed, but Jesus was never or never had any reservations about the Holy Spirit. Never. He never tried to dodge the Holy Spirit, right? He never was freaked out by the Holy Spirit. He was never like, you know, just kind of, hey, I'm going to distance myself from the Holy Spirit. Instead, everything that Jesus did, he did in partnership with the Holy Spirit. He had this relationship going on. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was, he, 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 he healed by the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. He cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus knew he needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose the Father sent him here for. Right? That was to show the love of the Father and to be the Savior to all who would believe. Now that's just kind of all-encompassing, especially when you talk about the love of the Father, to show it. Right? To show the love of the Father, man, he was going about healing people. He was loving people when people were unlovable, apparently. Right? He was casting out demons out of people. And so he, but he needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus never did anything until what? He went to the River Jordan, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, came out of the water. And then what did it say? He was led to the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit to the desert. Right away. It was one of those things where it was like, I know I need him. Jesus! The Son of God knew that he needed the Holy Spirit. And so as soon as that happened, the Holy Spirit said, go to the wilderness. Spend some time with your Father. 
Spend, spend some time getting to know me. And of course, like for all of us, we got to obey, right? We got to obey. Jesus obeyed. He went to the, the thing. And then what happens? Right after he gets out of that 40 days, the enemy comes and says, oh, yeah? Well, what about this? Let me show you all of this that I can give to you. But see, it's about the Holy Spirit working in him. It's about the Holy Spirit partnering with him. And, and I think in your workbook, there's many more examples. And you can you know, look those up and stuff like that. But just understand, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were inseparable in their partnership together. And I really believe that you, it could be the same for you. That you, you could live a life with the Holy Spirit being it's, it, inseparable. But you've got to do the work. Right? You got to be able to be open to him. You got to be able to really press in and allow him to be who he's supposed to be in your life. This is what Jesus said before he left. Now, before I read it, how many of you would say that you like an advantage to something? Right? Like if I'm playing basketball with my younger son, who's probably about four feet, I'm six feet, I got an advantage. I'm liking my, my advantage, right? Because I'm out rebounding him. I'm boxing him out. I'm out shooting him. He can't block my shot. Get out of here, boy, right? I mean, that's an advantage, right? And so I like an advantage in anything I do. But, but this is what, what John chapter 6, verse 7, and I, and, I, and I put got it in the Amplified Version because it just gives me such a great picture. But since we all like an advantage in something, listen to what Jesus says to the disciples, but he's also saying to us. When he left, he said, this is what he said. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. What? I, I have an advantage. You have an advantage. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, right? And it says comforter. This is some of the roles. Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, uh, strengthener, standby. Does it say standby? You know how you read something and you're like, what? Did, what? But he's, he's, he's right there. It says, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. So Jesus was wanting the disciples and us to take advantage and utilize the help that God made available to them and to us. See, we should understand that if we've got this relationship with the Holy Spirit functioning in our life, then in every situation, we have an advantage. Every situation, we've got an advantage because I've got the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, it's to my advantage. See, sometimes we think, oh, well, man, if I could just, man, if I was just around when Jesus was around, yeah, that probably would have been awesome. But Jesus even said, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to go. I'm going back up to heaven, but I'm giving you an advantage. So that you can walk this life out in advantage over every situation. Or an advantage over the enemy, even. Because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But see, He wants us that. He wants us to take advantage and utilize what, what, what is available to us. But see, oftentimes we, we kind of, maybe we, we don't do that. Right? And, and, and really... How do you, how do you, so how do you utilize that, right? Well, first, it's not by compromising, right? It's not by compromising or settling for something less profitable or even beneficial that you think, okay? Like, like for an example, it, it, this, that could be anything like us getting in the flesh and trying to determine our own situation and how we're going to handle the own situation. Can you imagine surrendering your life in such a way to the Holy Spirit that, man, you don't even make a decision? Until you, you talk to him and you ask him for wisdom and you ask him for what, what, what do I need to do here? What, what, what is it? I mean, that's, that's radical, right? People might even think, whoa, 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 whoa. You do what? 
Yeah, I, man, I just get before the Holy Spirit, and I'd say, Holy Spirit, help me understand. What, what is it about God's Word? What, 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 maybe what is God's Word saying about in this situation? And then, you know, I just kind of move forward, and I go forward. And you know what? I think every single time that if we would follow the Holy Spirit's leading and direction, we'll see victory in every area. But see, what happens is sometimes we compromise, and we just kind of get out in front of the Holy Spirit and try to make things happen and do all these things right? That then we're not using the advantage we have. We're not. And so, you know, I picture just the Holy Spirit's like, ah, like he's getting ready to say something. Ah, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it this way. I think this is best. And the Holy Spirit's like, you know, he tells zip it, right? We tell him zip it. Because we've decided to walk in our own flesh and our own ways of that we wanted to see it. Where he actually wants to be able to direct our lives and give us insight and, and understanding to living in this crazy world that we live in. But see, we've got to take advantage of that. Now, you know what I mean by advantage, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. But take advantage of the opportunity that you have to have this, this relationship. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He's in you, and he wants to help you become a real disciple. Okay? Not, not just kind of an out there, you know, whatever disciple. No, he wants you to be a real disciple. And we know that, right? The apostles were disciples when they first started out. They were learners. They were students of, of Jesus. They submitted to whatever Jesus had to say. And what a disciple... Uh, does, right? A disciple re, re, uh, replicates, okay? Replicates whatever the teacher did. That's being a disciple. So if we're a disciple of Jesus, then we're getting in God's word, we're reading what Jesus did, and then we're supposed to replicate what Jesus did. Now you might think, whoa, 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 whoa that's a tall order, Pastor Scott. Man, Jesus, you know, held meetings and talked to people. And then all of a sudden, the roof opened up and someone dropped in. And man, they got healed. That's a tall order, right? But see, Jesus just didn't do it in his own flesh. He did it with the whole power of the Holy Spirit in his life. But see, we run sometimes from the Holy Spirit because we feel like that's weird. That's different. That's crazy. But it's not. Right? And so here, here the disciples became dependent because they saw Jesus becoming dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So they partnered with the Holy Spirit. The disciples did. Right? Just because Jesus partnered with the Holy Spirit. Then, if you read in the Bible, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit because Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were disciples. They were following what their teacher was telling them. So they ministered just like Jesus did. Didn't they? Yeah, when we look at it, they ministered just like Jesus did. But see, for us, in order to, to have this, this, this strong relationship, this supernatural Christian life, man, we have to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. In fact, check this out. The Holy Spirit played such a major role in the early church the Holy Spirit was directly referenced 261 times in the New Testament. Okay? So that signifies, I would think, his importance in the partnership and empowering of every individual Christian. And, let's take it one step farther, the empowerment of the church. Who's the church? Every individual Christian. So it, it correlates together. It just runs right, right next to each other. And so Christians were empowered, and then the church was empowered because the, 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 the body of Christ came together, and the Holy Spirit was working and moving and doing things. I mean, you just read the book of Acts. Right? The book of Acts is about the early church. And man, you read that, and you, you think, Whoa! There is a lot going on, man. The Holy Spirit was active and moving and all kinds of things were happening. The church was growing. 
Because you know what? Part of that movement of the Holy Spirit in life, they weren't quiet about where they were going to church. They were telling others, hey, I go to church over here, and man, it's lively. It's got, we got it going on. Come with me. Check it out. I'm serving Jesus over here. Would you come with me and serve Jesus with me? Oh, I don't even know this Jesus. Hey, don't matter. Just come. Right? And then they, then they let the Holy Spirit do the work inside their lives. But see, that, that's the thing you got to understand. The whole book of Acts is, is not just a book or a history book, but it's, it's a book of pattern. It's to show us as the older church, right, how to live our life like the early church. We should be emulating the early church. That's what I want. I want, I want to see us emulate the early church. Where the power and the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is just moving. And we're seeing signs and miracles and wonders. Things that are just blowing us away because we're just so on fire and we have this passion for the Holy Spirit in our life. That we're just like, man, I, I can't do anything opposite of what He's telling me to do. But see, that, that's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work in some of us. You know, tearing down those insecurities. Tearing down those, those negative thoughts about ourselves and how I'm so unworthy and I'm not very good at this or I'm not very good at that. Man, God doesn't see all that. God just sees someone that, man, he wants to use. Because I'm sure, I'm, I, 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 not that, you know, I was there, but I'm sure there was a lot of people in the early church that probably felt the same way you, you might at times. That, man, I, I'm just not, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I, I, you know, I got this and this. And man, you know what? I yelled at my camel the other day and all this stuff. And I stepped in the camel poop and I said a bad word. I bet you that happened. Right? But that didn't stop God from moving in their life. I know that was way out of context. But you get my point, hopefully. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're, we're going to read kind of Paul's final salutation. Kind of in his, it's, this is the second letter to the Corinthians. But it kind of captures a snapshot of the spiritual um, life that, that we're supposed to live. Okay? It says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So you remember, Paul's kind of ending his, 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 his letter here. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. What does amen mean? So be it. So Paul lays out here three um, integral parts of our Christianity, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's the gift of salvation. It's by grace you are saved through faith. So he lays that out. And then he says, the love of God. So we have this covenant relationship, this covenant promise of God's love towards us. And then it says the communion of the Holy Spirit. We have a divine partnership that we are supposed to take in our life and walk and then have this divine advantage in every situation. So if we want to live a strong Christian life, here's the deal. You can't leave out the first, I mean, you can't leave out the last one. See, we're really good. Keep that up. We're really good. We're really good at the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm saved. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then we get to, oh, the love of God. Yes, man, God loves me. Oh, man, yeah, this is so great. This is so great. And then we get to the communion of the Holy Spirit, and we go, I, 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 I don't know what to do with that. We leave it out. And as, as, as believers, we can't leave that out. We, we have to have, right? Because we leave it out a lot of times because we've had experiences where we thought, yeah, that's weird. Oh my, what is going on? Mama, you see what's happening right now? Or, you know, you get in the car in the church and you're like, we're never coming back. No, no sirree, Bob. We ain't coming back to that church. No, because some, you know, something strange. But a lot of times, that's just people acting out in the flesh. Just being honest. 
Because I read about how the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And, and whatever the Holy Spirit does, it will attract people to God. It'll attract people to Jesus. But see, what happens is a lot of times people get in the flesh and they think, oh, yes, it's the Holy Spirit. Yet, it's not drawing anybody closer to God. It's drawing them to their car and out of there as fast as they can. 100 miles an hour, screeching tires. <laughs> We're out of here. Have you ever been in, in, in that before? If not, then, man, praise God. But see, if the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves, it always attracts people to God. It always attracts people to Jesus. But see, we can't leave this communion thing out. Now, the Greek word for communion is koinonia, which indicates this, something intertwined. Something that is intertwined, right? It gives us this picture of two or more lives woven together. Much like marriage, right? I'm intertwined with my wife. Sometimes I'm thinking what she's thinking. Sometimes she's thinking what I'm thinking. Sometimes she's not thinking what I'm thinking, but that's a whole other subject, you know? Because, you know, I'm always right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But anyways, it, but it's something intertwined to the point where, you, man, it's got this common purpose, this common union together. And so it's saying, you know, we're supposed to have this common purpose and this common um, uh, purpose with the Holy Spirit. Not be afraid of it. Not think it's weird. Not think, oh, man, Pastor Scott said something about the Holy Spirit again. I don't know about that. No, no, no. No, no. It, it, it's this, this, this idea that we're supposed to say, oh, yeah. Man, I want to grow deeper in my, my love, in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, you can love the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Right? All three are intertwined. So you can love the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with you saying, Holy Spirit, I love you. Jesus doesn't go, what? Oh, come on now. What's up with that, Dad? You know, like we do with siblings. No. He'd probably be like, yes. So exciting. Because they're getting it. The Holy Spirit is so key and, and in such an important part for us. And so this idea of communion carries the idea of intimacy, partnership, and responsibility. And I'll explain that in just a second. But he wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to partner with him. And then he wants to assume responsibility for you and for me. Right? When he assumes responsibility for you and me, that means he helps in real time. He helps in, in a relevant way in our time of need. Like, Dad, I got it. Don't worry about it, Dad, I got it. I'm going to give them the wisdom they need. I'm going to tell them what they need to do. I'm going to let them know the Word of God. I'm going to make sure that this kind of flows in the direction that it's supposed to go. He takes responsibility. So if I'm in partnership, if I'm in community with Him, if I have intimacy with Him, then He's going to take the responsibility. To make sure that I know how to flow in what, 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 what I'm encountering or what's going on in my life. So we need to open up our hearts to him. We need to begin to be intimate with him. But as you know, any relationship takes work. To be intimate takes work. To this intertwined partnership. James chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. I just, I, I read, in, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, whoever chooses to be, world's, uh, to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Man, that, that's, that's pretty big right there, right? But verse 5 says, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. So what, what, what was it that was breathed into our hearts? The Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit is a jealous lover. Man, think about that. How many have ever encountered a jealous lover before? 
They didn't get all mad because you're talking to the, the opposite sex. Like, well, what's up with that? You know, or whatever. See, when we give our heart away to something that is in the flesh, that is something worldly, Holy Spirit like, is like a jealous, no, 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 don't do that. You're, you're walking down a wrong path. Because he, he wants to spend more and more time with us. He wants to be responsible and help us more and more. So the Holy Spirit is in love with you. He is. Just like God is in love with you, just like Jesus is in love with you, the Holy Spirit is in love with you. He wants more and more of us. Every day, he wants our time. He wants our attention. He wants our devotion. He wants our fellowship because he has this intense desire for you. Right? And part of this intense desire is, man, he's focused on changing you. He's focused on empowering you. He's focused on conforming you to the image of Jesus. That's what he does. And really for us to fulfill God's plan that God has for our life, each and every one of us have a plan, whatever that looks like. We need the Holy Spirit in us, working through us and, and being active so that we can consistently walk in it. Otherwise, man, we're all over the map. And let me tell you this. If you get to that level, then man, you know what? Just be ready for a greater level of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Because really, that's something we should desire. We should hunger for that. We should diligently seek for that. And I'm going to tell you again, it's not scary. He's a gentleman. It, it's actually, get this, it's a blessing. What? Yeah. Having the whole, this relationship with the Holy Spirit and Him partnering with you and you partnering with Him, you know, just kind of co-laboring in this whole thing and, and allowing Him to do it. Man, it's such a blessing to you. It's not a burden. It's not gonna, he's not going to make you do crazy, crazy things. But the activity of the Holy Spirit in God's power, it's just God's power in real time, in our current reality. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul records nine different gifts that the Spirit works through believers. Why does he do that? To demonstrate God's real-time power. Now, we're not going to talk about the nine right now. I'm not going to go even read those. But if you're, you're a workbook person, it's uh, page 40, appendix 4 in your workbook, way in the back, right? And then what Paul does then, after you know, he, he, he talks about that, he actually gives us three ways for us to engage the gifts um, as believers. And so we're just going to go through these, these three gifts really quick. It says, be informed, the first one, be informed about spiritual gifts, so the very first thing that Paul is kind of wanting us or encouraging us about engaging in, in these gifts, and like I said, I'm not, you know, I didn't read them, but you can go back and read them. You know, there, there's, there's nine of them. But the thing is, is that he wants us to engage. So the first thing is to be informed about spiritual gifts. Let me read this first scripture for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And here's the amazing thing about all this. So Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, which the Corinthian church had all kinds of like gifts of the Spirit, these nine gifts operating. When he writes, if you read, Paul's not telling them, hey, stop. You're doing, you're doing too much. You're using these gifts too much. And you need to stop because that's not what the church is supposed to do. No. Paul's writing to them to tell them, hey, you know what? Kind of make sure that you're not doing or stepping on other people's toes. Allow the gifts to flow. Allow them to operate. Allow them to be a part of your service. But don't allow them, give them space for people to operate. Because what they were doing is just on top of each other, just all kinds of crazy 
But see, Paul's not trying to encourage them not to do it, but he's trying to set up parameters for them to do it, to give them an understanding of what these gifts are about. A little sidebar. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, okay? Spiritual gifts are the ones that originate from God's Spirit, okay? Not from the flesh. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay? He's saying, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant means to not know, to be uninformed or misinformed. And sometimes it carries the ideal of willful ignorance. I'm just going to choose not to know about them. Because I've seen the crazy. I've seen the weird things. I've had people come up and give me words that were like, what? I, I just, man, I don't even want to know about them. I don't, I don't want anything to do with them. I, I, no, 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 no. But see, the thing is, God wants us to not be ignorant of them. He actually wants us to look at them, to know them, to understand them, so that when someone comes and gives you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, you can understand what's going on. Or maybe even he gives you something to say to someone else that's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And you're like, hey, I just want to tell you this. This is what I'm feeling or whatever. But you know what it is. Which actually, if you know what it is, makes you even more confident to give it. Right? I know what it is. See, like when you're giving a present to someone, you know what it is. You're excited. Right? You're like, man, this is the best present in the world. I can't wait for them to open up. This is going to be awesome, man. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, get my camera ready. Get my camera ready. You know, because you, you, you know what it is. They don't. And so the thing that, that it is, is that, man, when we operate in these gifts, then, man, and know them, then we should be excited about sharing them. We should say, man, you know what? I got a word for somebody that I'm just going to, you know. And then, you know, you might as well look at it and go, huh? Like that person might. But you know, because you know what a, a word of knowledge is. You know what a word of wisdom is. You know what God, these gifts are that, that, could, that, that God will give to flow through your life. But see, we've got to understand that we've got to dive into them. Now, check this out. Okay. If God didn't want us to know about the gifts of the Spirit, okay, He wouldn't have put 103 verses in Scripture that talk about the gifts. Now, this is going to blow your mind, okay? I'm ready to blow your mind. I'm ready for you to go, okay? So, He has 103 verses about the gifts that also establish kind of the guidelines on how these gifts should operate. But, listen to this. There are more verses on that doctrine than there are when you combine the baptism and communion. Right? We're, it's so easy for us. Oh, baptism, yeah. Let's go. Communion, first of the month, yeah. Let's go. Gifts of the Spirit, whoa! Right? All of a sudden, overwhelmed, oh, scary. I don't know much about them. I no, he put 103 verses in there. And that is more than communion and this, the, the doctrine of baptism combined. So it's got to be important. Shake your head. Yeah, it's got to be important. So these gifts and, 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 and those functioning within us are important to the body of Christ. We got to allow them to function in the body of Christ. But before we can do that, we, we really, or, you know, or even, you know, utilize them, we need to know. We have to be informed about them, right? We got to begin to understand them. We got to know what they are, how they are, how they're meant to operate in us. And in the church. Right? It doesn't give license to cray-cray going on. 
but it gives license for the Spirit of God to move, right? And that should always be our heart. That should always be our intention. So I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, don't reject or marginalize the Holy Spirit gifts. Right? Just because of your past experiences. Press in, be informed. Second way to engage the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Become passionate about the spiritual gifts. So one, be informed. Right? So you got to start pressing in. And then you know what? You need to, to kind of shift and say, you know what? Why not me? Why not God? Why can't God use me in one of these gifts? Remember, it's not weird. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. It says, pursue love. Notice, love comes first. Spiritual gifts operate out of love. Not out of any other way. Paul, Paul put it in that order. It didn't say, hey, you know what? Desire spiritual gifts and then pursue love. No. He said, you know what? Pursue love. That's the first foundational stake in the ground. And once you are pursuing love, desire spiritual gifts. He's actually telling the body of Christ, he's telling you and I, you are supposed to desire spiritual gifts. Whoa, Pastor Scott, slow the train down. Are you mean you're telling me that I am supposed to desire spiritual gifts? Yes, I am. Okay, speed the train back up. We are supposed to desire. He says, man, it's okay to want the gifts of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit functioning in your life. He he wants you to desire. The Greek word for desire is a zilu. It's where we get the word zeal, our zeal for something. But it conveys the sound. This is kind of weird but it conveys the sound of boiling water and has a, uh, has a larger meaning to bubble over because of heat. Right? You ever had that happen on your stove? Yeah? Turn it on and then you walk away and next thing you know, you come back and it's all like, you know, it's all crazy all over the place. And then if you've got an electric stove, right? Ours is electric, right? Yeah. If you've got an electric, you know, then, then it gets all over and gets crusty sometimes on, on the thing and then you've got to clean it up. It's just a mess. But see, what he's trying to say is, you know what? We got to be fervently boiling over with a zealousness. With a a deep commitment to the object we desire. And so what he's saying is, man, you know what? You need to desire spiritual good. You need to go after them. You need to have a zealousness for them. So it wouldn't say to desire them if it wasn't meant to be given to you. Does that make sense? I mean, just think about that when you read your Bible. Okay, if this is in the Bible, that means it's meant for me. So, if he says desire spiritual gifts, that's meant for me. I'm supposed to desire spiritual gifts. Wow, I don't even know that. Well, then go back to point number one. Let's get informed. Let's start figuring them out. Let's start looking at them. Right? And, I, and you might not, you know, just, uh, you might look at the appendix and, and, and read them and go, and they give a little definition of each one. And you might go, yeah, I still don't get it. Well, that's why you have people you can come to to talk about the spiritual gifts. And to get greater, greater understanding of it. But see, we got to dial up the heat. It's our responsibility to dial up the heat. Right? And the passion for these gifts. And, 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 and a good place to start. Okay? At least in my mind is to focus first on the giver of the gift. Okay? Who's the giver of the gift? God. Right? If, if we focus on God, God's going to help us operate in these gifts out of love. But we got we to gotta, we gotta just, instead, you know, and sometimes people just, just focus on the gift. Oh, I got this gift. I got that gift. Oh, look at me. I'm wonderful. Yeah, but how's your relationship with God going? Uh, well, you know, I, I you know. They, they, and they miss it. 
Our, our central focus has to be first on the giver of the gift. Okay? Because they all flow out of him. Let me read you the scripture. It's in the message version. It's 1 first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, yeah, chapter 12, verse 6. It says, all these gifts have a common origin. Okay, that's God. All these gifts. It says, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? It says, He decides who gets what and when. He decides who gets what and when. But see, we got to have a hunger for the gifts. And he, you know what, and sometimes you're just not locked into one gift. He may say, for this moment, you need the gift of healing. So that when you pray for someone, boom, miraculously they're healed. Or, man, right now you need to be, you need to be having this gift of, of a word of, 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 of knowledge or even discernment. Like, yeah, I know they're saying that, but man, there ain't something going, there's something going on that ain't right. See, we got to understand that he gives that out. But see, our focus has to be first on the gift giver who then gives it to the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit distributes it. And when you do that, then you know what? We get on this, we start to operate in this supernatural dimension because we're, we haven't lost sight of, the, of, 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 of worshiping the gift. Our sight is on worshiping the gift giver, God. And let me give you the last one. The third way we are to engage the gifts of the Spirit is to be open to participate in and receive from the Holy Spirit spiritual gifts. That's a long one. But it says, be open to participate in. Yeah, I said it. You think, oh, Pastor Scott, what do you mean? Yeah, be open to participate in and receive from the Holy Spirit spiritual gifts. Let me tell you, 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. What? Every single one of you has an opportunity to operate in the gift. He's given you a gift. But he says, you know what? You can neglect it. That is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Now, I haven't come and laid hands on you, right? But the Holy Spirit has. He's come to live inside of you. He's come to dwell in you. Therefore, we're not supposed to neglect. The word neglect means to treat as unimportant. In, it's invaluable or, uh, invaluable or insignificant. So Paul says, you know what? Don't treat these gifts of the Spirit as unimportant. See, when we look at them and say, oh, they're unimportant, then we're neglecting. We're neglecting. In fact, in 1 Timothy the Holy Spirit through Paul gives Timothy this advice. He says in 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Right? I'll just tell you this. If you want me to pray for you by laying on my, my hands on you and asking the Lord to begin to show you what that gift, I'll do it. But I know the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And he, he'll, he'll, he'll give you the, these gifts. But to stir up means to rekindle, to inflame, or to stir up as in to rekindle a fire. So God wants you and I to stoke the coals of the spiritual gifts inside of you, of us, and we're fanning them in the flames. Like when we, we are giving place to them and we're giving place to the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like we're, we're fanning this flame so that it never goes out. So let me give you, right? So here's the why as to why it's important for you and I to have a passion for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Let me read it again. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help 
each other, right? Each other is, is, is an all-inclusive term and it embraces everybody. No one is excluded. So when the gifts of the Spirit are in true operation, true operation, the Holy Spirit is behind them. Not some crazy cray-cray that's all in the flesh and all that, right? Everyone, listen, everyone benefits from it. Because what, what is it doing? It's drawing them closer to God. It's drawing them closer to Jesus. Not making them get in their car and screech out of here at 100 miles an hour. But everyone benefits individually, and I'm going to say collectively too. The church benefits as well. So, in spite of what you've heard or what you've seen, whatever, moving in the Spirit is neither fanatical nor self-exalting. Okay? Instead, it is an act of faith and obedience that will allow the Holy Spirit to move more powerfully in our lives and in our church. I've had lots of talks with a couple people. And man, I want to see the Holy Spirit move within our church. I do. I think about what we've even preached. Um, like for the passion for souls or even, even in, in God's word. And I talked about how the Holy Spirit backed up God's word, right? And, and things happened. Man, I'm praying. And I'm asking God, Lord, when the word of God is delivered, show up in power. Show up. Let's see the external because the Holy Spirit is on it. That's my heart. That's, that, that's just my passion for us. Because I, I, I want to see our church like the early church where the Holy Spirit is just moving and operating gifts of the Spirit are happening. And, and I, like I said, I don't, I don't know if there is a bunch of crying wild and crazy people in that. But man, all I know is that people were drawn closer to God. Right? And so today, as we, as we close this up, I just want to read this, this uh, quote from A.W. Tozier. And all I hope it does is it gets you thinking. Okay? All I hope it does is get you thinking. Because we are the church. Right? But this is what he said. I think it's going to be up on the board. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Think about it. Man, there, there's a lot of truth to that. In some ways. Because oftentimes, sometimes, you know what? It's, it's about programming. It's about hit this slot, hit this slot, hit this slot, hit this slot. But then it says this, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. What? And everybody would know the difference. Everybody would know. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, something's not right. God's not moving anymore. What's going on? Man, do we need to repent? Do we need to get before the Lord? Do we? Because all of that stuff would stop. But see, oftentimes churches, we just kind of run and we just do church. And we do the programming. And we do this and we do that. When oftentimes, you know what? We'll walk out and we go, man, I, I okay. But what if the Holy Spirit started to show up more and more? What if all of a sudden something happens? Are we going to freak out? Are we going to go, oh my gosh, my church is flipped. It's lit. Oh, no, we shouldn't. We should say, wow, he showed up today. He showed up today. And man, we, we, we're seeing people saved. We're seeing people healed. We're seeing people, whatever that is. Just a thought. Right? Just a challenge. But I'm just letting you kind of know where my heart is. What I'm praying for. 
Because I feel like when that begins to happen within our church, it'll spill out to our community. And people, people will begin to drive by and, and the Holy Spirit will all of a sudden make this place light up and say, you need to go there. You need a touch from me. You need to go there. And you might think, wow, Pastor Scott, that's pie in the sky. That's like huge. Well, how? That's just the desires of my heart. That's just it. So what do we need to do? We need to be informed. We need to be passionate. And we need to be open. Open to the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And like I said, you know, you, you might go, well, okay, so what if I start putting that in the practice? But I got a lot of questions, Pastor Scott. Then set up an appointment with me. I'm willing. I'm willing to walk through this and help. Because you know what? Maybe God does speak to you with a word of knowledge from someone, but man, you have no idea what to do with it. Come to me. Let's navigate it together. I'll even come with you and hold hands with you in order for you to give it so you feel comfort. Right? But I'll just tell you this, man. If it's something in the flesh, man, I will address that. I will say, no, don't go there. But what I will say this, I will say, I am proud of you for, for praying and trying to press in to hear from God. Because that's what it's about. And sometimes, you know what? You might hit the mark. And then there's going to be other times, you know what? You might miss the mark. It's happened to me. I've done that. I've missed the mark. But then, you know, I go back to the Lord and say, hey, sorry I missed that. I thought I, I, thought I heard that. So I know this is it, this, this kind of, I, I, I don't even know where you're at right now. But man, I, I was so just excited within me to share this thing. And like, you know, you can build so many messages off of just the Holy Spirit. But I hope it just gives you this understanding and this idea that we are supposed to be partnering with him every single day. And as we partner with him, then you know what? He's going to begin to use us in such a way that we can do these things in, in, in the right order, the way they're supposed to be done. And then to open our hearts as a church to be able to say, okay, well, if the Holy Spirit wants to, to do something, right? the Holy Spirit gives me a word and I stand up here and I deliver it and maybe it falls on deaf ears or maybe it speaks to one person. Let's see where the Lord goes with it. Now, I'm not saying it's going to get crazy. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to think that. Okay? I'm not going to be running around, you know, the church and all that. So I'm not doing that. But I'm just trying to say, hey, let's, let's be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Let's be open to what, what, what the Holy Spirit is, is wanting to do. Right? And if, and, and if there's a time for yeah, a prayer time when you can come down and get prayer for something, man, and, and you feel a tug in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not you just going, well, I don't want to tell anybody my stuff. No, the Holy Spirit saying, no, no, go, go, get, go get prayer. Let people pray the prayer of faith over you. But, but we just got to begin to be more open and more sensitive to, to the Holy Spirit and His gifts. So do me a favor and bow your heads. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for being involved in our service today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what we've learned about you. Um, my prayer was that... <laughs> As we taught about you, you would speak about you. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I, I pray that that's what took place. And that each heart in this place, even within the podcast of whoever hears, that Holy Spirit, you would do a work in, in each of our hearts to one, understand that we need to, to get to know you better, to know that you love us, know that you are passionate about us, desire a relationship with us so that, Lord, we can do the things. <laughs> we, can, we can break break beyond our, our walls 
of maybe insecurity, break beyond our walls of, of fear or doubt, to do the things that the Holy Spirit leads us to. I'm reminded of the scripture that says that we would do even greater things than what Jesus did. The only way to do that is by having you, Holy Spirit, in our life in this partnership, in this, this relationship level, in this intimacy level. And so continue just to work with our hearts. You know where each one of our hearts is. You, you know exactly where we're at. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you tenderly mold and shape our heart into a position that we recognize this relationship and we want to be fully engaged in it. And then you'll, you'll tenderly and graciously walk us through so that we will grow in our relationship with you. We'll grow in our partnership with you. We will begin to see the gifts of the Spirit operate in our life because we're supposed to desire them. And so just seal those things in our heart. Help us this week to do not escape what we heard today. But keep reminding us over and over again that you long to have a relationship with us. You long to be in partnership with us, just like, like Jesus was. And you long for the, 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 the church, this church, Lakeshore, to be like the early church where the Holy Spirit is moving. And so I thank you for all of this. Thank you for just uh, continuing to pour out just your love in abundance towards us. And thank you for favor this week. Uh, thank you for the advantage we have because you live in us, Holy Spirit. I, I, whatever situations we face, whatever is, is occurring, I pray that each one of us would understand we have an advantage as we press in and lean into you, Holy Spirit, and so that when we, we, we face the situations or we face things at work or we face things at home or we face things with relatives or we face things at, at whatever it is, Lord, that we already have an advantage because the Holy Spirit is working in us and that he's giving us favor in every situation because he's guiding and leading us and directing us. I'm so gracious and I'm so thankful for that. So remind us of that advantage. Help us to take advantage of that. And we love you for what you're doing in our lives today. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.